Welcome to our Apostolic Mentoring Weekly Podcast, where powerfully anointed kingdom servants equip, impart, and help to position God's people for apostolic ministry. Our purpose is to establish the biblical apostolic pattern globally so that the army of God will be apostolic in word and deed, facilitating God's global harvest. Here's your host, Charles Robinette. Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to Apostolic Mentoring. So excited about what God is going to do today during this session. I feel the Holy Ghost already. I've been sitting here this morning just reading the word and speaking in other tongues, and I feel like God has something very special for us today. So let's just take a moment and let's lift up our hands and voices, and let's release the power of God into this session. Let's release anointing into this session. Let's open up our hearts, our spirits, our minds to receive what God has for his people. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for what you're about to do, Lord. We are ready to receive, Lord. Open up our spiritual eyes, our spiritual understanding. Equip us, activate us, God. Empower us, anoint us, Lord, to see a last day's global harvest that impacts billions of souls around the world. God, we believe you for a global harvest. God, we believe you for billions of souls. God, we believe you that in these last days, Lord, you're going to pour out your spirit upon all flesh. We believe you, God, that there will be greater works than these in these last days. God, open up our minds and spirits to receive. Speak to us, God. Impart to us, God. God, give us boldness to activate your promises, Lord. In the name of Jesus, anoint us for kingdom purpose in these very last of days. Oh, God, we believe your word, Lord. Oh, thank you, God. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a high honor it is to have Brother Shelton with us tonight. We are so very humbled that he's been able to fit us into his schedule, not just this week, but for next Monday as well. We love this man of God. He has a a global apostolic ministry. I really have heard that, but I've I didn't really get the, the the full understanding of it until it came on today. And people from all over these nations were greeting Brother Shelton. And that is so exciting. I love the partnership of faith. It's so important in God's kingdom. We love you, Brother Shelton. Thank you for being with us today. Please take your liberty. Speak to us. Impart to us. We're ready to hear the word of God. Thank you, Brother Robinette. Give honor to you and your family in Jesus' name. I thank the Lord for your ministry and your value to the kingdom and the work that you're doing all over the world. It is a humbling thing to be invited to be a part of this, but I am thankful to be able to mingle spirits with such powerful apostolic people all over the world. And in meetings like this, be it even on the internet, as we all open our spirits to receive from the Holy Ghost, 
I'm going to be a little greedy and ask the Lord for something additional. I want to receive from everybody that's on this call. I want my spirit to be open to whatever the Lord would have me to receive from each person. Because I think as far as apostolic ministry is concerned, there's a lot more things that are caught or taught. I want to catch in my spirit whatever the Lord would have me catch from the spirit of everybody on the call that's of him. The scripture says, Take heed therefore how you hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth. Now, I want to read it in the Passion Translation, and I want you to notice how it's worded here. So pay careful attention to your hearts as you listen to my teaching. For to those who have open hearts, even more revelation will be given to them until it overflows. And for those who do not listen with open hearts, what little light they imagine themselves to have will be taken away. He did not say, take heed, therefore, what you hear. He said, take heed, therefore, how you hear. What we hear is important, obviously, we all know that. But how we hear it is equally important. The condition we're in when we hear the word is important. I've seen people come to church and hear a powerful word of God preached and leave church mad. They had an offense somewhere along the way in their heart, and they never took care of it. The scripture said, if you listen without an open heart, I'm not only going to miss what's being said right then, but I'll lose whatever revelation I had to start with. It's like being sick at your stomach and knowing that you are really nauseated and could throw up at any minute. And if you go ahead and eat more food with a sick stomach, you're not only going to throw up what you eat right then, you're going to lose what you ate the day before. This is how important a right spirit is to our eternal salvation. And God is so serious about us having a right spirit that he will send people by that I call agents of crucifixion. And their whole reason for being in your life is to help you be crucified. And the worst thing that we can do is pray that God get them out of our life. To be crucified with Christ is a noble thought. It's scripture. But literally, it is impossible for one man to crucify himself completely. So the Lord, in his great love for us, sends agents of crucifixion through our life to finish the process. And they don't just show up once in your life. They show up every time the seasons of your life change. I want to read a few more verses of scripture to you. Psalms chapter 51, verse number 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. He said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Then he makes an additional statement. And he says a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Now, we've got some really weak imagination about the Lord. We think he overlooks everything. And we think God's okay with everybody having every feeling and opinion and emotion in their life that they want to have. But the scripture says that no flesh can glory in his presence. He won't allow it because any flesh that glories in his presence today, and I'm talking about me and my flesh, if I will glory in his presence today, Monday, by the end of the week, I may think I know more than God does. Now, in Scripture, the law of mention is important. What he, what he specifically says, we've got to pay attention to. And he said, the Lord will not despise a broken and a contrite heart. So if the Lord won't despise that, there's something he will despise. And the Lord despises an unbroken 
heart and a heart without contrition. And I'm going to tell you why he despises it, because he can't trust it. Broken flesh wants to hear from God. Unbroken flesh wants to be heard by every man. Broken people can receive from God. Unbroken people won't. Let's read that verse again in the Amplified Classic Edition. My sacrifice, the sacrifice that's acceptable to God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin, and humbly and thoroughly penitent. Such, O God, you will not despise. Now, I want to read Psalms chapter 51, verse number 17 in the Passion Translation. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I bow down humbly at your feet. Unbroken people will mock your humility, and they'll tell you that your act of humility is weakness and that you need to stand up and fight for yourself. The most dangerous person in the world is the one who will not fight for themselves. Because when a child of God won't defend himself, he forces God into the position of being your defender. But if I'm arguing and fighting for myself, God will let me work it out all on my own. Now, just bear with me. We're going, we're going to get to the gifts of the Spirit and all that in just a minute, but hang on. All right, now I want to read Psalms 34, verse 18 in the King James Version. The Lord is nigh. Now, notice the law of mention. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. That's a promise. The Lord is close to people that have a broken heart. Now listen to this other promise in this verse. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I need the Lord to be a lot of things to me every single day. But you know what I've come to understand that I need him to be more than anything else? Every day of my life, I need him to be my savior. I don't care if one gift of the spirit operates in me today. What I care the most about is that he's my savior all day today. I need a savior. More than I need anything else, I need a savior. I want to drive that point home. The scripture says that he remembereth our frame that it is but dust. And where apostolics get in trouble a lot of times is we forget that ourselves. I am but dust. Now I want to read that same verse in the Passion Translation. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain, and he is always ready to restore the repentant one. He's always ready to restore somebody with a broken spirit and a repentant spirit. Even when I've been offended, and I have been, even when I've been attacked, and I have been, I've got to keep a repentant spirit through all of that. For one, because I can't let that get in my spirit. If I let that offense in my spirit, how can God trust me with a greater anointing? And I need a Savior, but he can't be my Savior if I don't have a repentant spirit. Last scripture I want to read is James chapter 4, verse number 6. But he giveth more grace. Grab a hold of that. He giveth more grace. I'm going to say it one more time. More grace. Wherefore he saith, the last sentence of that verse or the last portion of that verse says, but giveth grace unto the humble. A few months ago, I was praying probably around the first part of this year. I was asking the Lord probably what everybody else has asked him at one point or another. My prayer was, Lord, I know that you're shifting things in the spirit and in the earth. I can see it and I can feel it in the spirit. And my prayer was, Lord, I want to be positioned correctly. I don't want to be out of alignment. So I, I spent considerable time praying that, Lord, help me be in the right alignment, the right position with you. 
And very quickly, the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's your whole problem right there. I was confused. I said, Lord, what do you mean? I thought that was the right prayer to pray. Now, the Lord's very kind to me most of the time. But this day, it felt like he was a little impatient with me because it seemed like this was something that I should have already known. He said, the problem for you to worry about is not your positioning. I said, well, Lord, I don't want to be out of alignment. He said again, but that's not your problem. He said, it's my problem. It was my cross. It was my blood on that cross. It was my life laid down on that cross. This is my kingdom. And I bought you with my blood. So your position in my kingdom is not for you to concern yourself with. Now, I have to admit to you that was not easy for me to hear. Not because I wanted a position in the kingdom. That wasn't the problem. Because quite honestly, I like obscurity. The problem was I thought I had it all figured out all this time, but apparently I was wrong, which happens a lot. Hey, then what is supposed to be my concern in this great equation of the end time? He said to me, the position of the vessel is not your concern. He said, the condition of the vessel is what you need to worry about. He said, it is my job alone to position you where I need you in my kingdom. He said, but you limit where I can apply you in my kingdom because of the condition you're in. I said real quickly, then what is the right condition for us to be in? He said, I need you to be beyond repair, broken. I need you to be broken so badly that you can't put yourself back together. I need you to be so broken that even your own family won't recognize you when it's over. He said, after 33 years of walking among you in flesh, the greatest spiritual work I did, I did on a cross. He said, I turned water to wine. I walked on the water. I raised the dead. I healed the blind. I cast out devils. I healed the deaf. He said, but my greatest work was done in my most broken condition. And he said, when I was beaten beyond recognition, I was finally able to do something I had not been able to do up to that point. The scripture says he yielded up the ghost in one point. Another place says he gave up the ghost. And the very next thing that happens after he gave up, the very next thing that happened after he yielded up the ghost, the scripture says that the sun was blacked out. The veil in the temple was rent in half. And it was such a powerful event that the power of God reached across the threshold of time into eternity and called back from the grave and from eternity the bodies of the saints that had already passed. I don't know about where you are, but I can feel angels moving in this office here. The world had seen a measure of his power up to this point, but they had not seen the full scope of who he was yet. In fact, the scripture says that if Satan had really known what he was doing, he wouldn't have crucified him. Some of you need to hear me. If Satan had known what he was doing, he wouldn't have put you through the hell you've been through lately. Some of you have fought the hounds of hell like you never have before. I'm not talking about fighting flesh. I'm talking about fighting demonic spirits and spiritual battles you've never fought before. Mental battles, emotional battles, spiritual battles that nobody even knows about. And it didn't seem fair. You were isolated and alone, but you were broken when it was all said and done. And if Satan had known you weren't going to give up, he'd have left you alone. If he had known you weren't going to walk out on the kingdom, he'd have left you alone. But the Lord allowed him to go ahead with this crucifixion you've been through. Because now in the most broken condition that you've been in, probably in your entire walk with God, there is going to be the greatest spiritual release of anointing and ministry through you that you have ever seen ever before. And God is going to place you in, in places and in situations and circumstances you could never have imagined. We're moving into the end times more every moment. Paul said there's before us a great and effectual door that's open. He said our anointing beyond here is even greater. 
But he says, our enemies over there are going to be greater too. And my flesh says, I need to be stronger to fight these enemies. But Paul said, through my broken places and my weaknesses and my flaws, there he's made stronger. Brother Robinette, I am, I am 100% convinced that the things we have hidden about ourselves for decades, I'm not talking about sin, but I'm talking about this flesh, my personal flaws, the things I don't want people to know about me, my shortcomings. I'm convinced they're going to become on display more in the end time than they've ever been before. He took a perfect gospel, trusted it to flawed flesh, and gave us the commandment to reach a lost world with it. He chose sinners to reach the lost because we're all sinners. The only people who can be sinners are those who have been filled with the Holy Ghost because the word sin means to miss the mark. I know this sounds like semantics, but just bear with me a minute. We want to call everybody that's never been filled with the Holy Ghost the sinners because that puts us in a position up here and everybody else down here. But when we realize I'm the sinner, I'm the one that misses the mark. I'm the one that doesn't do everything the Lord tells me to do. When I remember that I'm just flesh and the Lord sees in me the ability to finally see me for what I am, he then sees a person he can trust with greater anointing. When I'm not going to take the credit for it, he will do things I could not have even imagined. I personally believe that our flaws are part of our strengths. The gifts of the Spirit do not need perfect people to flow through. They need broken people to flow through. Peter and John are heading to the temple to pray. Their shadows fall on people and they're healed. Why don't we see that anymore? I know we have mass crusades and things where a lot of stuff happens. I get that. And I've got a theory about that too. Because in those settings, there's a lot of people involved in making that happen. So there's not one personality or one person that's the focal point of it all. And we have the safety of a team. And we're all working together. But it's always amazed me we can have those kinds of demonstrations and outpourings in a large setting like that. But when we leave those meetings, for the most part, the majority of us don't see that in our private ministries. In a corporate setting like that, we hold one another accountable. And again, there's no one central personality. It's all about the kingdom. Even if somebody's leading the, the, the deal, they defer to the team for various things. And again, Brother Robinette, I submit this to you, but it's my theory that in that setting, it's not one individual's deal. So it's easier for God to trust the team. There are enough broken people there for God to flow through the masses. But Paul makes a statement that has really bothered me for a long time. He said, did not even God himself come behind us with signs and wonders confirming that which we preached? And then the scripture says, and the Lord working with them with signs and wonders. I said, Lord, where's that at on a, on a grand scale of ministries across the world? I think about the elders of the Apostolic Church from the 1900s through to now. Just this past week, we've lost two more. A prophet and a seer from Texas, Nelson Neeland, and another prophet from Beaumont, Texas, Marvin Cole. These are men who walked in places of the Spirit that I have not yet penetrated to. I was privileged to spend several years under the tutelage of Brother Barnes. He was a man who walked with Michael the Archangel on a regular basis. A lot of people went and sat in his office just like I did. People from all over the world came to talk to him. He was the most amazing human being you'd ever want to sit down and talk to. He told me that Michael the Archangel would come and get him at night sometimes. Now, this is going to be hard for carnal people to hear, but it's time to say it out loud. Michael would come and get him and take him in the spirit to Israel. And he said to me, 
on many occasions, we stood over Israel in the darkness of the night, and he would show me Israel's enemies coming to attack them in the dark. And we would begin to pray. He said, Michael would tell me what to pray. And in the, in the way that Brother Barnes would say it, he'd say, boy, oh, Michael, told me what to pray. And I prayed it. And God did it, boy. Nobody knew it. Nobody had a clue what that old prophet and seer was doing in the spirit with Michael, the archangel. And he was so broken, it didn't matter to him that anybody knew it or not. You want to be apostolic? I'll show you what that looks like. He told me that on many, many occasions through the years, he would stand on the platform at camp meetings all over the country. He said, but I knew I couldn't get to everybody. So here again, this is going to, this is going to challenge some of us. But if you get on YouTube and look up videos of Brother Barnes and church services, you can't see me real clear, but he'd hold his hands like this in front of his, just right at his waist. And all of a sudden you'll see him. He'll take that right hand and he'll start out to his side and swing it just like this, palm up across the congregation. And if you'll keep watching, you'll see him come back with it going the other direction. Here's what he was doing. He told me, he said, talking about me, he said, now you pick up on stuff with your eyes. You see it. I said, yes, sir. He said, I don't, I don't see it like you do. When he would swing his hand like this, he said heart problems would put touch him here. He said, sugar diabetes, I could feel it over here. And on and on he went. And he said different infirmities and sicknesses would he'd feel a touch in different parts of his hand. And he said that's how the Lord revealed to him the sicknesses that were represented in that meeting. So when he came this way, he was picking up on what was in the room. Going back the other way, he was releasing anointing and virtue and a word of healing for every sick thing and every disease he had picked up on. And he said, boy, worked through that one deal right there over the years. And he said thousands of people have been healed just from that one motion. He said, and the good thing about that has been they never knew who to thank for it. And I didn't have to carry the weight of that all my life. Now, this is a man who was so very powerful. I got to hurry up, but I'm going to tell you one more story. He was so powerful and used of God and such a threat to hell itself that a witch came from Germany to challenge him. And when she got to his office, she knocked on the door and said, I'm here to prove my God is stronger than yours. He didn't know her. He had never seen her. But when you step into that place of anointing and that place of the spirit, it's not just heaven that knows you. Hell knows who you are too. And the greatest liability to an apostolic that's used of the Holy Ghost is unbroken flesh. He told her, nope, you won't prove that to me. She said, oh, yeah, I'm going to prove it to you today. So he said, okay, how are you going to prove it? Over his desk, he had an old chandelier that hung down over the top of his desk, a light. And she told him, she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and my God is going to make that light swing violently in the ceiling. He said, no, it isn't going to happen. So he said for 20 minutes, she strained and chanted and did everything she could to make that light move. He said, boy, it never moved. So when she finished, he said, now you sit down in that couch. And she wouldn't do it, even though he told her twice. Now here's power. He said the third time, sit down in Jesus' name. And he told me that the Holy Ghost hit her and knocked her backwards into that couch. And he talked to her for the longest time about the word, the blood, the name, and the new birth. So when she left, she was mad. That night, he was sitting on the bed taking his socks and shoes off. And three demonic spirits appeared in front of him. He said he asked them, all right, what are y'all doing here? They told him that witch sent us to torment you and keep you from sleeping for three days and nights. 
And he told me, he looked at those devils and said, well, it isn't going to happen. He said, you're going back to that little witch. You're going to torment her for three days and nights and have her in my office on the fourth morning. That's what he said. On the fourth morning, she's knocking on his office door. She had big bags under her eyes and was in a mess. And she looked at him. She said, I don't know how you've done this. I don't know how you knew I had done it. But if you'll get them off of me, I will never bother you again. So he said, all right, boys, let her go. And she left. That's power. He called Satan in his office one day. You heard me correctly. He called Satan to his office. He had his keys in his hand. He was headed home. He said, boy, I had to call him three times. He was hard-headed. He said a great fire erupted out of the floor. And in the middle of it, there stood, he said, the old boy. And he said, he screamed out, what do you want from me? He said, I just jingled my keys at him. He said, I want you to know two things, boy. One, your days are numbered. You're about to get locked up. And I wanted you to remember that until then, I've got power over you. And you got to do what I tell you. That's who all of us are on this call. That's how powerful we are. But what keeps that anointing from flowing out is the veil of this flesh. The thinner the veil gets, the easier it is for us to walk continually in the spirit and not cross in and out all the time. And the easier it becomes for that anointing to flow out of us. Broken flesh is the greatest asset of an apostolic. My, my goal, Brother Robinette, and I've prayed this for a long time. The scripture says that Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. My goal, my dream is to walk with God until God takes every dream and aspiration and agenda that I've got. And the only thing left is him. When he can be seen in me, I can be trusted by him. And in this end time, we're going to see miracles like we have never seen them before. We're going to walk into hotels and the clerk's going to be healed of diabetes. You're going to walk into a church to preach. And before you can preach, God's going to heal every sickness in the room. That's how powerful the ministry of the end time church is going to be. It'll be now we've got to position ourselves. And I'm trying to hurry, Brother Robinette, but now. Now we, we try to put ourselves in the right positions. We try to get the right environment. We try to create an atmosphere. God don't need us to create an atmosphere. He needs us to get out of ours and into his. He's already created it. We don't create flow. We get out of ours and into his. And that's the benefit of broken flesh. It finds the flow quickly. Unbroken flesh needs a 45-minute worship service. Broken flesh just needs a need to apply itself to. Lord, I pray you seal this in our spirits today. Lord, don't let the enemy come and steal this seed of thought and revelation out of our spirit and mind, but seal it in our spirit. Seal it with the blood so that it puts down roots and begins to produce fruit for your kingdom, not ours. In Jesus' name. One, one last thing that just hit me. When the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, he told them, pray after this wise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, just like it's done in the heavens. That word earth is not talking about the planet we live on. If you translate that into our current terminology, it would be this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as easily in me as it's done in the heavens. I won't argue with you. I'll just obey you. I'm not going to try to help you out. I'm just going to obey you. The Lord said to me one day, what did I have before I had a boat? I said, I have no idea. He said, I had a man. Then he said, what did I have before I had that man? I said, Lord, I have no idea. 
sometimes it's better just to admit you don't know. He said, before I had a man, I had a plan. And then he said one of the most profound things he's ever said to me. And it may not affect anybody else, but it changed my life. He said, I didn't choose Noah because of what he could do. I chose Noah because of what he would do. Every gift and talent that we think God needs to assist him in the end time, if we're not careful, could be what prevents him in the end time from using us. Broken flesh is the greatest asset of an apostolic. To speak the word of faith in a crusade and 150,000 people instantly receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is the will of God for the day to come, Brother Robinette, that the coliseums around the world we will fill with humanity are going to be 75 to 80% full of lost people that do not know Jesus. It won't be the majority of the people there are us. And 150,000 people in a stadium somewhere in the world will instantly receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There are apostles and prophets that will be sent to cities in the world that will never preach one word in that city. They're going to step off a plane, stand in the airport, and speak the word of faith over that city. And harvest and revival are going to break out in a city of 25 million people. And we're going to hear reports of great harvest that we had nothing to do with. And we're going to have to do only one thing and give God the glory for every bit of it. It's coming. And God's going to have to know he can trust us to be the ones to do that. Brother Robinette, I've gone over my time. I'd talk all day, but I got to get, I got to go to my seat. So I'm going to turn it back to you. Praise God. What an incredible revelatory word that we've received. But to just hear this and do nothing with it, what an incredible failure this would be. I feel like we need to go back and revisit this word from the Lord. Watch it again. Listen to it, but then apply it. In closing here today, I think it would be just appropriate for us to let's lift up our hands and voices and just let the spirit loose in this meeting. Thank you so much for listening to the Apostolic Mentoring Podcast with Charles Robinette. We hope that you will tune in next week. Purchase our new book, Radically Apostolic, available on Amazon in English, German, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. See you on the next episode of Apostolic Mentoring.